0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 131 of the Justin Insight Podcast, a show where I talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. I uh, hope everyone's well. Hope everyone living in the UK is wrapping up warm as the weather starts to get a little bit colder. Um, I'm not becoming a weatherman. I'm just mentioning this because I've been freezing cold today. Uh, I had to crack out the fingerless gloves uh, in the office for my day job because. It's a building that was built in the 70s. And nobody bothered looking after it. So it's fucking cold in there. No no heating. No nothing. Yeah. Loads of fun. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm already getting a cold. And we're only just in October. Which. Yeah. Loads of fun. Um, yeah. But I had quite a quiet seven days for a change for me. Um, so I haven't been up to a whole lot. I haven't got a lot to tell you. But finally putting the whales in motion to uh, a project which I've alluded to on this podcast before it will 100% be coming out in either November or December so keep an eye out for that, it will be on all the social media and I'm sure I will talk about it at length again on this show um, but once all the pieces of the puzzle start to come together I will kind of give a bit more details on it on this show because it links to this in a massive way so yeah that's all coming together just need to get my head down and crack on with that um, also one final thing before we get onto to this week's guest uh, last week uh, signalled uh, Mental Health Awareness Day um, which is awesome because there's loads of uh, people outpouring sort of um, telling their stories or just sort of offering support which is rad don't get me wrong but also it kind of hammered home the point that a day is not enough in in that aspect like I haven't always spoken openly about my anxieties but recently I've been really sort of struggling with it and I'm really really thankful for having a strong sort of uh support network around me of, of friends who I can rely on uh to kind of chill me out talk me down and, and things like that which is which is wonderful and I kind of for the first time ever i think i even sort of put something out on social media and it was really nice to kind of see the outpouring of uh, support from from just the simple post as well which was was cool so yeah just basically want to say just always kind of check in with your friends and your loved ones even if it's just a quick how's it going it really really goes a long way for people who have a lot more going on than i do because i think what like yeah, I'm not going to babble on because this could go on, but you get the point I'm trying to make. Anyway, enough of the heavy shit, let's get into a wonderful, wonderful guest. Uh, this week I am joined by the absolute riff shredder, that is Ash Gray from Venom Prison. Um, we discuss uh, Ash doing his degree whilst kind of touring in Venom Prison and how it was juggling academia with touring life. Uh, we talk about his experiences as being part of brutality will prevail um and how we kind of had a, a weird uh meeting i guess you could describe it as um listen to the chat and it'll become clearer um and also how venom president are now a band that are on this massive upward trajectory which doesn't seem to to stop they've just literally today as i've record this i think is the last day of their us tour with Home homewrecker so and i think that's the second time they've been to the states this year so they're doing pretty fucking well but yeah so please sit back enjoy the chat i have with ash and i'll see you on the other side Joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is Venom Prism uh, guitarist Ash Grey. Ash, thank you very much for for taking time out of your evening to have a little chat with me. How's how's everything in your world?
1: All good, thanks. Thanks for having me as well. How are you? Yeah,
0: really yeah, really good, thank you. Just winding down from from a day job, so it's always nice to to do this in the evening and just talk music and and have a lovely time in general. <laughs> nice break from reality. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um well before we kind of get into what kind of got you into music and stuff 2019 prism has been a bit of a batshit year in general so just to kick us off like what's it kind of been like from the inside out like the reception of the new records sort of tours and things obviously recently headlining one of the days of upsurge how's that kind of been to be inside that bubble
1: um absolutely insane to be honest um it's all happening so quick and like it, it is great it's really really cool um it's so busy on the inside as well like there's always stuff going on like we've already started planning next year and whatnot so it is constantly you know it's like a turning wheel it is constantly doing stuff yeah um, so yeah it, it never stops but <laughs> yeah it, it's great it's great it's mad that we've only been about what four years now yeah uh,
2: it's been non-stop from day one but I'm very uh very grateful for the
1: opportunity I have to be honest
0: yeah well as I mentioned before uh, we kind of went into the show proper the show is called just an insight I like to take my guests back to their their roots and their origins so to say and kind of how I like to kick things off is to find out like what the jumping off point was so what was your sort of first exposure to alternative music like what kind of got you into that world um
1: god um so basically my dad was always well he, he still is he's, he's a metal head he right saddle maiden and saxon um he loves all that um so that was always playing in the house or in the car when i was a kid so i think subconsciously i would have always picked
2: it up <laughs> yeah and i think
1: it was kind of like from day one it was like oh i'm obviously gonna like this um so it was just things like i can always remember like certain maiden records he'd be playing or you know sabbath records and whatnot and um i think it got to the point then where maybe i think maybe junior school like however old you are in junior school i can't even remember now um he started getting into a lot more like uh, new metal because that was oh, okay so he would be picking me up um, from school with, like, a Paparoach CD on in a car. Brilliant. Like, what the hell is this? And he was like, it's this new band called Paparoach And I'm like, the fuck is <laughs> um, it? And it, it kind of just, like, almost stemmed from there. Like, uh, he also picked me up from school and the first Slipknot CD, uh, the self-titled, was in the car. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I was like, Dad, why are you listening to this shouting
0: shit? Yeah, yeah.
1: And it was almost like I said it to my dad, not the other way around, not my dad saying it to me. He, I said it to him, which was completely bizarre. But I think it kind of all started to lead on from there, and I started getting a bit more curious about music, and I remember my auntie, uh, his sister, was a guitarist. Um, I'm not sure if she plays anymore, I need to ask her. Um, I should thank her, really, because she gave me my first guitar. Uh, um so yeah, she gave me an acoustic guitar, and I started like making a bunch of fucking noise on that. Uh, probably drove my parents insane. <laughs> yeah. um, that led on to then like you know I was always aware of like Maiden and stuff, and I was like, Dad, can I have an electric guitar? And he was like, If you keep playing that thing for a month straight, I'll think about getting you an electric guitar. And yeah, I was like, oh, Okay. So my birthday came up, and I had an electric guitar. It's like a little uh, Yamaha. Pacifica with a 15 watt
3: little combo amp. Which right. Was, it was perfect. Um, so I just started
1: jamming out what I could to the songs I was able to play. Um, so that kind of that was kind of how the music started, such like metal and
3: rock music. Yeah.
1: And it kind of stemmed from my
3: my old man. Yeah.
1: It was only when I got to like high school, I think year yeah. So it would have been year seven in high school i had i don't know if you remember do you, do you remember the route one camo
3: backpacks that everyone yeah, had? yeah yeah i had one of them typically <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh some guy come up to me and he
1: he wasn't in my year he was in like year 11 so he must have been in yeah, in his last year of school and he come up to me like completely out of the blue and i, I thought this kid just wanted to beat me up yeah um it turns out he was like nice no, uh camo backpack and i was like thanks. Like, <laughs> you're third, like, you're the first person to say this to me. Um, and he was like, do you like hardcore? And I was like, you what? Like, <laughs> like, what What are you on about? At that point,
2: I was, my life was basically a Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 soundtrack. Yeah, I yeah. just,
1: all I liked was punk. Um, punk and metal, that's all I liked. Like, I just loved listening to like Rancid and no FX and stuff. Um, the
3: Offspring, whatever you know milling calling whatever yeah. I
1: could get my hands on. But um it's like, Do you like hardcore? And I was like, I don't have a fucking clue what you're <laughs> on <babe."> uh, <laughs> so you said, Oh meet me meet me
4: at the gate um, at the end of school tomorrow and I was like, This is getting weirder but yeah, <laughs> alright I'll, I'll, I'll just go with it. <laughs> What's the worst
2: that's gonna happen? I'm gonna get my head kicked in and it's all a big
1: de- it's all a big decoy to get me to come out. Um so he met me at the gates, um, not the band. I was just about uh, to say, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, I've got some DVDs for you." And I was like, oh, "All right." Like, is it Small Soldiers? Is it Toy Story Two?
2: Like, <laughs> what, what did
1: you me? It was actually Hellfest two thousand DVD.
0: Oh, nice! And,
2: then, and he was
1: like, "Go home and just watch this." I went home and I discovered bands like Bleeding Through, Walls of Jericho, Buried Alive, Terror, No Warning. The Locust, which I weirdly ended up really liking and still really like now, which I still can't get my head around. <laughs> but um, yeah, like that—that's kind of like what happened. And then I went to give the DVDs back to him, like a week later, and he uh, gave me some like black and white printed out, like on just paper, just some flyers of like shows that are going on in Newport, because Newport was like it was
3: notorious for like all of its live you know the venues like tjs and the pub yeah like you had every big touring band going through
1: tjs and all the hardcore shows going through the pub um so i was like i was you know i was almost spoiled with it i was always going to shows like every week i was quite young at the time i didn't really have much money and there was a promoter on the door like uh mike jones um, who went on to be a really successful, drummer, weirdly. Um, he was doing small shows, and now he owns like a load of venues in the UK, but okay, he he, um, he would just let me go in for free, because I'd just turn up and be like on my own, and he would just be like, are you with anyone? And I was like, nope. I was like, I've got a flyer, I've come to the show, um, what's going on?
4: <laughs> and
1: he, he, just, he just went, where did you get this flyer from? I was like, oh, this guy from my school gave it to me and said I should go, because I've never been to one of these shows before. So, he just started letting me into, like, every show he put on. So, same again, like, i got to be grateful
2: for that. Cause, yeah. You know, that was such a gateway for me to getting into all this
1: music. And we had bands coming through constantly, loads of hardcore bands and whatnot. And I think that's kind of how that side of me started to, like, you know, get into hardcore music and actually starting to, like, make friends in that circle. Like, I had a lot, like, I still do, like, friends at, um, are a bit older than me, um, who kind of just started making friends with me at the show and stuff, and being like, oh, you and on your own stuff, and I was like, yeah, and they're like, come and hang with us. Yeah. And then one day, like one of them gave me like a black bag full of like hardcore t-shirts and stuff, and he was like, don't just put them on, make sure you listen to the records, then put them on. And yeah. I was like, okay, that's, I guess and that's a really important rule. And he was like, "Yep, yeah, it's the most important rule. And I was like, okay, noted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of how that all happened and then you know I was already playing guitar at that point so it was only a matter of time until I got the urge to start bands and you know find people to do stuff and we, we you know we started a metal band when I was younger did like hardcore bands punk bands like we did it all really yeah. it was just like loads of different people all getting involved Like it's kind of a shame it's not like that anymore here mm. um, as much um, there's still a lot going on but yeah. it's, it's nowhere near as what it used to be where, like, you'd be in, like, 15 bands because, like, there'd be so many people wanting to
4: start banding. <laughs> yeah. And, like,
1: yeah, I'll be in that. Yeah, I'll be in that. Yeah, I'll be in that. But, yeah, that's kind of how that that all
0: started, I think. And so, then... Go on, sorry. I was just going to say, so, for, so from, like, kind of... As you said, like, your dad li- listening to, like, Maiden and, and New Metal and you sort of discovering, like, hardcore free from this guy randomly giving you the Hellfest DVD like the the one thing i always sort of like find interesting is there's always like one band that people sort of latch onto and cling to so like f- for me like the band was half heart like that is the band that introduced me to hug introduced me to straight edge and like that will always be my band sort of thing so what was the kind of band that you sort of signified as the one that kind of cemented you into that sort of world um
2: that that's quite a tough
1: one um because like when I started getting into hardcore, I I loved a lot of bands. Like I really, you know, it. I found out a lot of bands that I didn't even see like on the DVD. Where like my friends that were older than me were giving me like uh, Prayer for Cleansing CD or Disembodied CDs or, um, you know, Buried Alive CDs and and whatnot. So like I was quite lucky with that. But if I was to have to find it on my own, it was when I was watching that DVD. It was like. Bleeding Through and Walls of Jericho and stuff that kind of really clicked with me because it was something that I could always re- I could already relate to as metal.
3: Yeah.
1: Kind of realizing that not all metal needs to be, you know, die hard true, you know, rock and roll to the gods metal like there is actually a hardcore metal without it even being metalcore even though I, you know, you probably say Bleeding Through is metalcore but Walls of Jericho I wouldn't really call them a metalcore band Yeah, they were like straight in the middle, you know?
0: And then sort of in terms of you kind of, as you said, like your auntie gave you the acoustic guitar, so was that something that you were always interested in or was it just a case of it was handed to you, you picked it up and then it just kind of grew from there?
1: Um, I was always like, as weird as it sounds, like I was always like drawn by like guitar parts. yeah. I was never drumming or never singing. I was always like wanting to like, you know, pretend that I was playing a guitar and stuff. So I kind of thought like, oh, it must be what I want to do. So I kind of did that, and then as soon as I started doing it, that that's kind of where it started coming from. Where I was like, actually, I really really like this.
3: Yeah. And then you
0: mentioned obviously kind of like the the Newport scene because I think I remember sort of growing up and looking at tour posters and the pub was one that was always on there sort of thing so what was that kind of like to, to be part of growing up like you've touched on it briefly but like what were some of the shows that you you were going to that kind of cemented that thought in your brain that like I want to be a part of this
1: I mean there was so there were so so many shows like I can't even remember like half of like I remember a lot of them but I mean they the shows were mental like the <laughs> yeah. shows were absolutely insane like because the pub the pub's not a very big venue and yeah it would be every like hardcore show in there would be ramped it would be so full and people would be jumping off the bar jumping off the stairs you know like it, it was insane like it was absolutely insane and i remember there was like who did i see there before it was a Paint It Black tour, but
0: I can't remember who supported them or if they supported someone. Was it the ceremony it one?
1: It might, yes, I think it might have been the ceremony one. Yeah. Ceremony Painted Black. And then there was Meltdown and Fifty Lions? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was Meltdown and Fifty Lions. Um, dirty Money. Um, like, Knuckle Dust Shows. Like, a lot of a lot of us bands came through
3: yeah like a lot but
1: i can't remember because like later on like if we go a bit forward from that like you know we had like iron age and zibalba and nails when nails first came about we're all playing the pub so it was it was quite a long period that we were getting all these shows yeah it was it must have been at least a good 10 years yeah yeah um but then it it i don't really know what happened like it kind of just died like it almost just stopped and no one really has an explanation to why yeah it just stopped and it kind of started to move its way towards cardiff which you know cardiff's growing and there's a lot of promoters doing stuff for cardiff which is great but it still hasn't quite got what it was when it was you know those le and tj uh, days it it hasn't quite got to that point yet, but I am really hoping that there is a big surge and it kind of mm. kicks off again because they were some of the best shows I've ever been to.
0: Because is I could be completely wrong. Is the pub gone now or is it still a venue? Um, it's it's still a
1: venue, but it's moved. It's still in Newport Town, but it it was it was almost facing the train station. Now it's like kind of in like the centre. I think it's
0: called the Public Space now. Okay. Um, and I know they do like a lot of
2: food in there like a lot of vegan food and they've got like a bar
1: area but then they have got like a stage and a venue um, area on the other side of the building right but I mean I haven't been there in quite a long time like it's been quite busy um, the last couple years so I haven't really had that much chance but by the looks of it I don't think it
0: is brought in those shows that we used to have yet yeah yeah and then in terms of your kind of own musical exploration like you mentioned sort of like metal bands and things so what would you kind of signify as your first quote unquote bands that, that you you were in like what what sort of music were you going for
1: what of the first bands that I started
0: yeah Um. so
1: I remember like with a lot of schoolmates like there was so there was a band before I'd even like kind of started going to the pub shows like i did a metal band um it was i don't know how to describe it really i don't even think we had a clue what we were doing <laughs> i think we just need to play a fast metal riff into something heavy pretty much what Metron prison's <laughs> doing um <laughs> um i basically just repeated that <laughs> like, like 15 years later and it's worked <laughs> finally <laughs> um no i think you know, there was a lot of different um, influences because we were all so young. Like, we had a drummer who just like loved punk and hardcore, and then, you know, the two guitarists, myself and uh, the other guy, like we loved like hardcore, but we come from a metal background, so we always wanted to do like fast and technical stuff. Um, so it was it was a mix. It was a very big mix, but it was primarily a metal band, mm. um, and then it. I think after that one kind of um, stopped, then I went in like a different direction than those lot and started doing like hardcore bands and and whatnot. And I think that's kind of where it all started really with hardcore music for me.
3: Yeah. Well,
0: because that's what I was, I was going to mention. Because obviously, I think, well, my first sort of introduction to, to you in some shape or form was obviously Brutality Will Prevail. But were you kind of in about any bands before that that were kind of out on the road doing shows or were they kind of more just sort of newport bands
1: um crossbreaker
0: oh shit i didn't realize you were in crossbreaker
1: yeah it's me and me josh smith uh rich clark tom phillips and lee peterson we we were at the pub funny enough one night and we all had a bit too much to drink and went should we go to a practice room and start a band (laughs) I was like it sounds great so we literally went to our friend's practice room at like four in the morning and started Crossbreaker and then rang our friend who had a recording studio next to the practice room rang him at like seven in the morning or eight in the morning and was like we've got a really mad idea, and I hope you're free today. And he was like, "What have you guys done?" And was like, "Well, we went to the pub we started a band, and we're now ready to record." And he was like, "What?" <laughs> so we literally just walked outside of the practice room, walked into the recording studio, and
0: recorded that Crossbreaker demo. That's insane. That's so that, good. That's how, that's how that demo was written. Yeah, I didn't really because that's oh, that takes me back because I think where did I see you guys? It was either in Brighton think, or Southampton. I can't remember now.
1: I left not long into that band because that's when I joined BWP. Right. So I was only in them for a, a short duration.
0: Okay, um, so you might not have been in, in the band when I saw them then.
1: Possibly not. Just because I'm thinking of like the transition from that to BWP was yeah. quite quick.
0: Okay. So, well, if we, if we get into that then. So how did you come to be in BWP? Because I know that they were obviously a band already. They'd kind of already sort of changed their sound a little bit from when they first started. So how did you kind of come to be in in BWP?
1: Um, So I always kind of like, same again, back to TJ's La Pub, when they were playing there, I would see them. Um, Weirdly, my first metal band also played shows with them. Right. Uh, um, But I never really knew them. I never really knew, like them as people I knew them as a band it was enough to say hello
3: um, yeah
1: and that was really as far as it would go to be honest but I remember like it was something it was something fucking weird like I was in like my English class in school and my I think it was like the last year of school or something like that maybe it was either the end of GCSEs or the start of like A levels or something like that and I just got a phone call and it was just like do you want to be in the band and I was like
4: yeah, he was like, you got a <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he was like, cool. Do you want to go to practice next week? I was like, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I literally just like, I just went to went to meet uh, AJ, picked me up. because um, I didn't even have a car at that point. Um, he went to he picked me up and then literally went to a band practice and just started playing the songs with them. And yeah. that's kind of how that all started, and that went on for quite a long time.
0: Because I. I tried to look but I couldn't find it anywhere so what period were you in the band for? Uh,
1: Rue of All Evil Yeah was the first record I was on Um, and Suspension of Consciousness was the last record I was on Right
0: okay so kind of a period where they like they were sort of well, you were everywhere, kind of doing every single show under the sun, kind of thing. Like you were every, the... every
1: single weekend, Hamilton Hempstead. Yeah,
0: yeah, but like that was it. But I don't know. Maybe for like from an outside perspective, like at that period of time, BWP were like the UK hardcore band. So, like, I don't like from from an insider's point of view, did it feel like that? Or was it just like you were a group of mates playing music and just wanting to go do shows?
1: Um, it, it, I don't really know, to be honest, like it, we kind of knew we were onto something, um, because like the way everything just started, like getting completely out of hand with like, especially like nurch and
3: yeah, you know, tour offers coming in and whatnot. Um, shows coming in
1: and like yeah we kind of knew something was going on but I think we were kind of more just into the idea of just playing as many as many like wild shows as we could play really I yeah. think that was kind of the only thing that that band ever really kind of
3: acknowledged if you know what I mean it was more to do with if the show was mad it was a good show yeah. if the show
1: it was a bad show like that's pretty much how it was gauged
3: yeah And
0: so were you in the band when, when they played heavy? Yes. Right. So I have yourself and AJ to thank then. So I was at that, I was at that heavy fest and, um, decided this was, this was when I was still in my, my mosh heyday, so to say, uh, mosh to you guys. But my girlfriend at the time had bought me, uh, the straight edge swatch watch lost, lost it during your set was like (laughs) livid and I believe it was you it might have been AJ I can't remember but saw me looking around and was like are you alright? and I was like no I lost lost my watch and then AJ found it because it was like somebody had handed it to like the security and put it on the stage so I I still have my swatch thanks to you guys that's kind of
1: weird I kind of vaguely remember what (laughs) you're you're talking about which is really weird because i didn't rem- i can't remember it being a watch but i do remember that something was lost yeah it- i I do vaguely remember that and i can't remember who it was that gave
0: it back but i remember it i remember it vaguely which is quite weird yeah so but there you go but i thought i'd, I'd add that little because t- <laughs> that's a nice little, little- positive yeah that's <laughs> <a nice laughs>
1: little positive there yeah, i like that one
0: <laughs> but like in terms of as I say, from the outside, like, you guys were very much like kind of like, as well, definitely one of, like, the hardcore bands in the UK that was sort of making waves and making noises and sort of things. And, like, I don't want to say that kind of helped things later on in, in Venom Prison because obviously Venom Prism is definitely a completely different beast. But did that kind of touring and sort of networking, quote-unquote, sort of meeting other bands and things, did that kind of put you in good stead for what you're doing now and kind of iron out the kinks so to say that you had that experience it
1: definitely like BWP taught me a lot it it taught me like a lot about how bands are like you know how they function and like the fundamentals of what needs to be done like day in day out so like going in to start in Venom Prism with that knowledge like definitely did help a lot because it was almost like from day one I knew what needed to be done and i knew what i needed to be looking for um where like bwp for example it was almost like like i said it was it was purely is this show gonna
3: go off or is this show not gonna go off yeah that's gonna mean it's a good show or not where like venom
1: prison straight away i was very i was very focused on like okay i think i know what needs to be done first i'm not gonna make any mistakes i'm wasting time on this or that i'm gonna just make sure that you know straight down the line we're gonna do it all by the book and you know kind of plan this out properly and you know shave 10 years off rather than
4: <laughs>
1: yeah you know what i mean like it's when you see bands get to this is like my my favorite thing bands are doing is when they they get to about their 12 year mark and then they go
4: is it time for us to take this seriously and it's like oh, <laughs> yeah. fuck me
1: like you've spent 12 years on this now we're having that discussion if if you should be taking it seriously it's like you either do it from day one seriously or you tell yourself that this is your hobby and your enjoyment. You know, like, I think people need to kind of get that. Like, you know, they need to acknowledge that from the get-go, whether this is going to be a bit of
3: fun with mates or something that you want to try and achieve something with. Yeah. And And I
1: think if it wasn't for BWP, I wouldn't have known any different.
0: Yeah. And during that kind of time, what would you say was kind of, of like, Personally, what was your great greatest achievement during sort of the BWP days?
1: Um, there was a lot of mental shows, a lot. Um, they, they, a lot, a lot was going on. Not so many tours. We didn't tour much, which I think people always have, were under the impression that we did. Yeah. We didn't actually tour that much. We only toured once a year because of work commitments. Yeah. Because um, people always used to say, "Oh, you toured so heavily," um, and it was like we actually didn't. Um, but there, there was lots of highlights to that band, like some of the best shows ever I played in that band. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a lot of great memories that have kind of been made from that band. But it was almost like we didn't we didn't know what we would like. I I say we, like maybe the others did, but I personally didn't know what we were doing. I just kind of got to the point where it was like it feels like we're just playing shows now it feels like no one's really got a target or an aim of where we want to go and yeah for me it was more a bit like actually i want to take a step back and you know have a fresh start and you know i've spent a long time of my life in this band and you know maybe it's time for me to take a step back and reevaluate. you know not just band stuff but myself as well yeah and that's kind of that's kind of what venom prison
4: did for me
0: yeah so was that kind of like the reason why you kind of stepped away from the band then just kind of not getting jaded so to say but as you say kind of wanting to sort of take a step back assess what you wanted and then almost kind of go again kind of thing
1: um yeah there was there was a lot of reasons why i kind of left and none of them are personal or there's no grudges or absolutely anything like that it was there was a lot to do with myself um you know, like I said, like, I had that call in school, and, you know, I essentially, like, sacked everything off just to do that, you know, like, it was, like, a Euro call coming up, and I was like, oh, fuck that, fuck exams, I'm gonna go on that, so, like, I kind of neglected that a lot, um, and it was, like, you know, going in, in and out of jobs that, i was like starting a new job quitting a new job to go on tour, starting a new job quitting a new job and never really building like any foundations for myself like personally yeah so when i left the band i basically
3: i as soon as i left the band i went to university okay uh, so
1: I, I studied for three years full-time doing like sound engineering um and then that's what that's what i do now
3: yeah
1: i was a you know freelancer that's what I do every day now pretty much but I think if it wasn't for that moment to step back and kind of go actually the band's important but so is myself you know to make sure that I have like you know a good life later on rather than kind of throwing it all down the pan right now Mm. Um, so that's what I did I went to university I studied Um, kind of grateful I did it later in life because I took it a lot more serious going to university I was really I was like I was the the class nerd like I was (laughs) very always there with my pen and book always like you know I was like older than everyone else well not everyone else like there were a couple older lads and me in there but like one of the older sides um so I took it very seriously but as I started university I also started Venom Prison at exactly the same time yeah um, and Venom Prison was going to be just something for me to write a bit of metal and you know have a bit of fun and then like very quickly things started like turning and you know we were getting an offer for this and an offer for that and then people would be like do you want this service or do you want that or can we do this and can we do that and I'm thinking fuck that's good but I am in university yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: so I decided to juggle both <laughs> I decided to juggle both of them.
1: I told my lecturers, um, I was just like, look, I'm really dedicated to this course, but I've had some things come up, music-wise, that I kind of wanna, you know, go go ahead and you know follow it up and give it a go and whatnot. And I think the final year of uni, I had that trivium tour, which was seven weeks long, and then it was a week off, and then to US for five weeks. Yeah. And I had that was all the way through all of my like final deadlines for oh, all my last projects luckily like my lecturers were just like super cool and they were like emailing me my like um, lecture notes
3: and just oh, like wow
1: e- it was honestly like absolutely incredible like they were like sending me my assignments and stuff and like i was like you know doing sound check going back to the room quickly doing all my like dissertation or like you know projects and whatnot and then playing and then going back and going on my laptop and carrying on my dissertation and whatnot and just sending them like regular updates of it just to like show them that I am actually trying yeah
0: yeah that's Um, incredible it
1: it was like it was it was very tiring but like I don't regret a single moment of it because it was it was a way for me to not have to take a gap year yeah yeah um it was just a way to get everything done at once but i think if it wasn't for the help of my lecturers and stuff like i don't think that would have been physically possible so like the f- fact that i got a degree is mainly because of them and literally got back after that u.s tour and then i had to do one of my final assignments which was like a, a an oral presentation um i like it was literally just coming back to reality and standing in front of them thinking fuck i haven't seen you guys for
4: like <laughs> <Yeah. two." laughs> just, I should have been in
1: uni for my final stuff, and like I made sure that I was like, right, if I'm going to do this oral presentation and go and do that, I was like, I'm going to fucking practice this shit
3: on tour at home, yeah. wherever. So I just went in there and they did it, and they were just like,
2: wow, you actually did do everything
1: and practice and all that. And I was just like, yep, and yeah. now I'm fucking dead. I am fucked.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But,
1: um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much like Venom Prison started at the same time as I started university yeah. and, and and whatnot and like it, it was refreshing to kind of have that balance of like not just looking at a band like looking at you know studying and whatnot and
3: yeah and it,
1: it was it was quite refreshing because when I was in BWP it was it was just BWP that's all I kind of had going on like yeah you know, it was a few crappy little jobs doing this and that but yeah when I actually started Venom Prison I was like ah oh, actually I'm doing something for myself right now and kind of balancing this out and whatnot um, yeah. so yeah venom prison was a lot a massive turning point for me on a personal level as well as a band you know level as well like i, I learned a lot about myself and studying and whatnot and there's only really positives that come from stepping back from bb it wasn't a decision that i wanted to do yeah but like I really did need to reevaluate what was going on and I needed to kind of get myself in line before I could start focusing more on something that I've already spent 10 years on or 7 years or however long it was yeah on. so the step back and starting fresh completely was like the biggest eye-opening moment for me to date to be honest
3: mm.
0: and just before we kind of go in deep on on Venom Prison obviously I mentioned at the top of the show you guys were headlining one of the days of upsurge and obviously bwp played that as well so was it kind of nice to sort of be on a, on the same bill as them again and, and just kind of see how they'd kind of changed as well as how venom prison has evolved um we didn't play the same day oh did we? you not sorry yeah. my... no
1: no i i know what you mean though because on the flyer it was us at the top wasn't it and then all the bands yeah below yeah because i also thought it was one day but it, it wasn't um, which I only found out as I got there. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, um, yeah. We played with them in Belgium as well, like a year ago. Oh, okay. Ago. Um, and like, yeah, there, there's no, there's no drama between yeah. anyone. Like, it, it's absolutely fine. Um, obviously, we're not as close as we used to be because we kind of got on with our own things in life. Um, but like, everything's still like good between all of us and whenever we see each other we're always chatting and it yeah it's good but as a band like they're still doing the shows like they're still doing the festivals like you know they're doing something right because they're still doing all the stuff they were doing um and also you know hats off to them for also like sticking at it you know like that band's been through a lot of like lineup changes it's been through a lot of difficult moments and like they've managed to still keep it together which is you know it's is quite good to see you know
0: yeah and then so in terms of kind of Venom and you you mentioned that it kind of initially started as just something for you to to be able to like write metal riffs and things like that but obviously it's now evolved into to what we hear and see today um the question that i wanted to ask not kind of I don't want to dig through the whole history of the band because people can read that on the internet sort of thing but was Larissa always the choice to for you as a a vocalist like because I know obviously you you obviously met through sort of playing shows with Wolfdown and things but was she always earmarked or was it just a happy coincidence um
1: it was it was um kind of a conversation that was almost like the same thing as my BWP story right um Larissa left Wolf Down, um, and it was like, you know, always talking about metal and whatnot and, you know, just kind of chatting about it all the time. And like, I just like, wrote a demo, um, the Venom Prison demo, the first thing. Um, I just kind of wrote that, did it on my own. It was like something, you know, to just kill some time
2: type thing. Um, yeah. And then I like kind of sent the tracks and I was like, what do you think of this? and then like instantly she just like was like yeah i want to
3: sing on this like this is something wanting to do for a long time and i was like well there you go Um, (laughs)
1: go and sing on it then
3: yeah yeah
4: Uh,
1: so to start with i was just like oh i wonder how this is gonna turn out and like the one thing i definitely oh in fact i even spoke to Larissa about this like not that long ago and i was just like to listen to her voice on that demo and listen to her voice on Samsara is like incredible the progression she's made in such short time yeah like that would never happen on any other like other instrument at all someone to like pick something up that well and that quickly is like it is actually incredible
3: yeah
0: because I think that's what I was going to sort of bring up is that obviously you mentioned Larissa's voice but I think in general the band's sort of progression in sound has kind of been one that's been quite fast rising as you said like just as a band in general you've been together quite a short time and the rise has been pretty accelerated sort of thing but in terms of musical sounds like what we hear today was that always what you were kind of striving for or has that progression kind of just come naturally through time because I think when I first heard Venom Prison it was a lot more and I don't mean this in a in a sort of downplaying way but it was a lot more kind of traditional metal whereas now there's a lot more kind of death metal elements to it there's a lot sort of like the guitars and drums are a lot faster so is that something that you was initially always the seed and now it's grown into that or has that just come along later um, I think it was always one
1: of the things that if I could have done that from the demo stage and I knew I'd have a bunch of people with me who could play their instruments that well, I would have written a demo for that, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: But the problem was when I was writing the demo, it was just me on my own. So I wasn't really sure if I was going to find a drummer who was going to be blasting and kicking that quick or yeah. doing fills all over the place or you know, a guitarist who's doing solos left, right and centre and a bassist who's following... Every single guitar line. Um, So it was almost like the demo was like a starting point to be like, right, I'll start a band with this demo and then I'll see what happens with that. And we kind of always realized that even from Animus, like as soon as Animus was finished, like I remember like me and Ben like talking on the way home from the boarding and I was like, I already got like an image in my head and like a sound in my head of how album two's gonna sound yeah so, so like straight away he was like well let's not waste time on that like,
4: <laughs>
1: let's, let's get doing some pre-productions if it's in your head now so that was basically how that happened like we were demoing even when we were on that trivium tour
2: as yeah. well like
1: just to add to the piss pissing uni stuff as well
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: we were doing that as well um, and it was you know like samsara was like something that i wanted to be like right you know we can do metal you know we can do metal grind and death but did you know we also have this influence inside to us and then it's the same again like you know it's like like writing right now like as of you know the
3: last couple of weeks i've been writing again yeah and um, it's more just like
1: the way i kind of see it. it's more like my well i say mine mine and ben's like brain influence just leaking into Venom Prison a bit more each time yeah because I think if I completely I think if me and Ben completely went off on album three the way that I hear everything in my head it would be too much of a drastic change I don't think people would would want to adjust to it like that yeah so I think almost just kind of like introducing something new each record and kind of like obviously always do it to the best of you know, your abilities and the best standard you can possibly, you know, put into it. But at the same time, it's almost like don't go throwing everything into it all at once because you need to kind of like almost get people into your band. you know, like you got to bring them in and just kind of get them into this progression naturally. And I think for me, if I was to look at favorite bands, like, you know, if I use like Carcass, for example. Yeah listening to early carcass stuff and listening to late carcass stuff, it's like every single thing has gone up. Like, you know, the playing ability's gone up. Like, the songwriting's gone up. Everything's gotten a lot more it, bigger in progression. Even sound-wise, everything's a lot bigger. And it's almost like you knew they were capable of doing that from day one. Yeah.
3: If you listen to Heartworks and stuff, like, you know, you can kind of hear that they were already trying to edge towards that but they yeah, needed yeah. to make something that was going to bring people
1: into this because that was the first big change Carcass made really wasn't it
3: Yeah.
1: so like it wasn't like they were going to just throw everything
3: out <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: um, because they would have nothing left and I kind of also treat Ben and prison like that it's like the way I'm writing for this new stuff at the moment it, it's kind of like another step forward
3: with different influences and I don't really want to do the same album twice to be no, honest of course. Like, it,
1: it would be boring for not just the people listening to it but for myself as well
3: yeah
0: and then in terms of kind of going from BWP to Venom Prison sort of I can't speak of this at all because I I can't play any musical instrument at at all so I have no prior knowledge of this but going from playing what is essentially sort of slow beatdown hardcore with bwp to the faster stuff with venom prison i i could be completely wrong because it you might be shredding every single day in your bedroom sort of thing but <laughs> was, was it like an interesting transition for yourself to kind of mold your mind from going from writing in one style to the other um
2: yeah it was, it was
1: something that was kind of like coming out of me like naturally to be honest okay because but like you know coming towards the end of the BWP era for myself like I was writing a lot of metal just on my own right um and I was always jamming like metal stuff like even at sound checks or even when we were like had downtime on tours like I was always playing metal stuff um and it was like you know I was getting this like this buzz from doing it again um so I kind of I kind of knew it was leaning that way to be honest because mm. it was like I was doing it more and more and more uh, and it got to the point where I was like I just need to start a metal band like yeah. uh, I need to. I was like I've got too many ideas going on at the moment like I need to just do it um so that's kind of where it went from but I made sure that like from a, like an instrument perspective like I changed a lot like we were all I know it may not sound like a big deal but in BWP it was always drop tuning
3: so yeah. I made
1: sure Venom played in standard tuning not drop tuning and just made sure that I kind of shifted everything around to make sure that I would never kind of repeat or subconsciously write something that I would have done for BWP Yeah. so it, it was kind of a weird transition to be honest like even though I was doing that stuff I purposely mm-hmm. changed a lot about the way I was playing to kind of tailor towards Venom Prison.
3: Yeah. So, and... yeah,
1: it was, it, it was kind of weird when <laughs> I think about
0: it. Yeah. And in terms of kind of, like, where Venom Prison is now, like, obviously you said, like, doing the Trivium tour, going out to the States, headlining a day on Upsurge and things like that, that there's kind of a, a bit of re- more sort of reputability about you guys. Obviously, you're getting a lot more press and, and things like that. But for, like because I, as I mentioned, I, I can't remember the exact time when I first heard Venom Prison, but it was very early on. And then I saw you with Dawn Raid in Brighton. Um, oh, I remember the show. Yeah, it was cool. And I, I'm trying to remember if that was before... Was that before Animus came out, I think?
1: I think it was before Animus yeah. came out. Yeah.
0: So I saw you then, and then I didn't see you again until you headlined... Um, you did a headline show at the Thecla in Bristol yeah Um. and like for me like because I'm I, I'm very much like I love listening to records but like when I see a band live like that's when it obviously that connection hits and seeing the difference in the two shows I was sort of like oh shit Venom Prisoner are a big band now sort of thing like it was like an eye-opening experience so when did you kind of feel that turn kind of happen
1: um, I don't really know, to be honest, because, like, we've always been a very, like, we've always
3: been a focused bunch of people. Yeah.
1: Um, We're never really, you know, the best thing on the planet could happen to us, and we're more concerned about what we're going to do
4: next.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so weird. Like, it, it, you know, we have, like, a tour come through for next year, and it's, like, it's, it's a good tour. And, like, the first thing we were, like, you know it was like oh we got this and everyone's like oh awesome and then ben's like talking to me going oh do you want to write this weekend <laughs> yeah I'm like, yeah yeah let's do that and then we're just talking about like what we're doing next you know where we're going and what our plans are and how we're going to treat our year and stuff what we're going to do with it um because it's like when you think about it it's only been four years so much has happened yeah. in four years to this band it, it's kind of been a bit insane to be honest how it it's all kind of blown up but i think if we were to take a moment's break and kind of sit down and just like almost admire it and let our egos you know like flame up a bit i think that would almost like ruin that relentlessness to venom prison where it's like like Venom Prison's always got something going on. There's always something happening in the background. There's always something happening on the front. Yeah. And I think if we were to take time to kind of sit down and admire our achievements of what we've done, I think it would break that cycle a little bit. So that's <laughs> yeah. kind of always been a bit like something cool happens, and I'm like, yeah, cool, awesome, really grateful, thanks. Right, what have we got to do next? Yeah. So I've always been very focused with Venom Prison, and I think, you know, that's definitely something that may have came from what BWP have taught me or you know kind of going to study and doing this band at the same time you know kind of learning that you need to stay focused on what you're trying to do rather than looking at what you've got yeah um, so yeah yeah. Venom Prison is quite a weird band to be
3: <laughs>
1: it's, it's full of freaks yeah, <laughs> it, it's full of Freaks who just want to do things. Nah, um, I think it's just because
3: for a lot of a lot of us in this band, uh, we've all done bands previously. Yeah. Um,
1: they've either failed, broken up, or people have left. And I think this was a band for all of us that we were kind of all like, right, we've all done bands before. Um, is this, you know, is this going to be the band that we're going to actually give it a good go and see what we can achieve out of it? so everyone's on the same page really because everyone's always had that band that did nothing for years everyone's yeah. been in that band that just broke up out the blue or members left and it all kind of you know messed with like the system or whatever you want to call it um, so for Venom Prison it was more like five people coming into
3: a room where we were all like yep yeah, we've all done this before shall we just do it properly yeah. it's
1: like yeah, well let's do it
0: and then in terms of kind of where the progression's kind of gone like from Animus to Samsara like I, th- I feel like as I said there's obviously been a lot more kind of attention brought to you from Samsara and other things but from those two albums I'm guessing kind of going back to what you, you were saying earlier like not wanting to sort of throw everything at, at it at once kind of thing so, so in the growth between the two records was it just a sense of you were kind of looking to see what the next step would be for for vendor Prison? so i think obviously a lot of people have kind of latched on to the thematics of it but like musically obviously there's a lot more in well in my opinion there's a lot more kind of shredding of guitars than there was on Animus, even though there's still heavy guitars on that but like it just seems to be Venom Prison turned up to eleven to take a, a note out of Spinal Tap sort of thing. So was <laughs> I like it. so was that kind of the the impression that you wanted going into that album?
1: Um so whenever we write records, for me the most important thing for a record is consistency. Right. Like, like Animus everything on Animus is to do with Animus, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, the artwork, the song titles, the lyrics, and the music which is written all relate to each other in a consistent way. Like, you know, like it's not like one song has got a completely new theme or idea or an absolute different, like, you know, sound
3: uh, change or influence change. Like, everything's very consistent with each other. Yeah.
1: I like albums flowing from start to finish without any abrupt you know like is in like oh where did that song come from like, <laughs> yeah if, you yeah know, it's like if you're listening to animus and you got to song seven and like the first line was like what you know like what's up motherfuckers let's open this pit <laughs> and then we go into like some like big tom build-up you know like just some like classic tom hardcore but, like you'd be listening to the record and going what where, where the <laughs> fuck did this come from how did that happen so it's like For me, it's like I kind of like it to. It's almost like a a painting. I like it to be very consistent with each other and like almost like immerse yourself into it and just like lose yourself in the record and not have anything to kind of interrupt you. Yeah. And that's kind of what we did with Samsara as well. So everything kind of relates to it in a theme of like when people were like, oh, you've got more melodic in Samsara. And it was like, oh, yeah, we couldn't do it for one song and not
3: the others. Yeah.
1: So. Because think of how it would it would almost draw your attention
3: to it and be like oh that that's that's a bit weird or that's yeah awful. yeah.
1: So for me it it's like it's almost like the artwork the music is just like the artwork in a way it needs to kind of all tie in its one package.
0: Hmm. And you may not be able to necessarily speak to this as much because obviously I, Larissa is the one that writes the lyrics and things but obviously. A lot of people have kind of gone in on what is being spoken on on this record and I think we're seeing more and more these days especially like for metal bands to kind of speak about sort of politics and speak about gender equality and about a range of these issues that we didn't necessarily see specifically in metal five years ago sort of thing yeah is there a danger in your opinion that because you're a band that has that message and is so vocal about it that what comes next has to push it even more if that makes sense um it's it's weird because like I've definitely noticed a lot more bands doing it um recently but we were always
1: going to do that in a way because we came from hardcore bands of course yeah um so we were always going to go down that route. So it wasn't like something that kind of popped into our head where we were like, oh, this seems like a great idea. It was like, we didn't even discuss those ideas. It literally just happened. Yeah. Um, and then, like, obviously people picked it uh, picked it up and picked away at whatever was said in certain bits of this or that and, like, used that in a way of being like, oh, Venom Prison, talk about this. But it was like, we always spoke about that regardless. Yeah. Um, and, like, for future stuff, like... It, it's more than likely like Venom Prison's always very like it's always of the time if that makes sense,
3: there's yeah. always something
1: in it that is related to something that's going on um, Samsara is a bit different um, because obviously the theme of Samsara couldn't quite just follow what uh, Animus was doing so it, I think the only way to kind of like the only way to really describe samsara is that as political as people think it is, there's a lot more personal stuff in that rather than just political, yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what the whole idea of us using the idea of samsara was for was to kind of be like, Well, you know, we voiced our opinions on animus, samsara now is going to be a bit more personal. So, it like for me personally, like you know listening to samsara i'm I'm, because obviously i'm you know i i know what is kind of going on in these songs yeah listening back to them i I kind of real i kind of see how dark it is and how personal it is in moments and not just for one person but for people in general because like a lot of stuff was going on when we were writing that record um and when we recorded that record even more stuff was going on and it was like a lot of personal stuff going on and a lot of difficult things and i kind of for me like samsara will always be a very close record to me um because like of how how personal and how dark that record was and it was when i listened to it like i can hear like how desperate that record was
3: yeah um because there was there was so
1: much going on at that point like i can't even like i can't even list the amount of things that happened in that period of you know writing and recording samsara and it was almost like when we finished the record i'd like remember like looking at ben and just being like he literally did not think we were ever going to get that finished
3: yeah yeah like,
1: i never thought that was going to end and he was just like we were just like so happy for like that moment of when we finished that last bit on the recording hit save and just closed the recording
4: (laughs) just like we were just like holy fuck
3: i never thought that was gonna be done yeah um
1: so yeah i i I hold samsara quite close to me and like i i know the imperfections on that album as well which you know some people may see that as a bad thing but i kind of like those little imperfections because it kind of always reminds me of like how desperate that album was, and the imperfect like the the imperfections of it don't really matter. That's yeah. not the bigger picture in that album.
0: And in terms of that, because like you mentioned, it's it is a, like a bit more it's a bit more personal than than Animus and things like that. And again, I I don't want to kind of keep hammering the the point home, but with sort of like Larissa being the the sort of vocalist and I'm assuming main sort of lyric writer. Like, was it sort of an interesting dynamic for her to kind of be so open from your perspective? Like, I I don't know, like, I've I've spoken to other people where they are so open about whatever they're talking about in their lyrics, and their other band members are kind of a little bit taken aback by it because they may not have even necessarily known some of the shit that was going on. So was that a, a conversation that was had, or are you... Sort of a band by committee, and always quite open with with things that are being discussed.
1: Um, the only thing, like we ever kind of, if we ever do talk about lyrics, is like mainly like if Larissa sends me lyrics to look over whilst we're in like pre production
3: stage and stuff. Right. It's mainly
1: it's mainly to look at quality rather than the content. Okay. Um, because like, as a musician, I it's like as Larissa is a musician. Sorry, it's like. I have full faith in her to write what she wants to write about um, and she knows what we're comfortable with and what we wouldn't be comfortable with. Um, so she knows us very well, which is kind of a very big positive and a very big plus. Um, but the only, the only times I really do get into lyrical stuff with her is when, you know, it's like, oh, can you read this over for me? Or, or can, can you have a quick look to see if this is all cool and whatnot? And it's never normally, if I do criticize, it's never normally on the content, it's more to do with, like, I get what this song's about, maybe, you know, revisit it and try this or try that, or just, you know, like, try and make it a bit more cryptic, because that's right. what I like about lyrics, like, lyric, I can't even say <laughs> lyrics, it's like the hardest thing to say, Larissa's, it's like Red lorry, Yellow lorry. like, I, <laughs> I can't do it, um, um Larissa's lyrics. There we go. We got it out. Um, I, I I admire like I quite I quite like how cryptic they are. Like
2: they're not very in your face. Apart from the one that says rapists fucking die," which yeah. we all <laughs> what that meant. But they're
1: very cryptic. They're not in your face. Yeah. Like like you read them and you get the idea, but it's almost like you know, it's like it's like a Lovecraft story almost. Yeah. You know, like a little sh- story. Um. And I kind of like that. I like that. I don't think it needs to be so obvious and open. I think sometimes it's nice to make people read and
3: figure little things out for themselves. It's like an Easter egg. Yeah. Such.
1: Uh, my phone gone on there. I think my signal went a little
0: Yeah, bit I lost there. you a little bit there.
1: Sorry, sorry. Yeah, um... But, yeah, like, I I fully trust Larissa to choose what she wants to speak about, and, you know, I don't have any problems with that at all, to be honest.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: I'm going to sort of start rounding things up, but one thing that I did note that you've done recently, which I don't know, like, personally I don't see it as much these days, but then again, as I mentioned, I don't play a musical instrument, so I wouldn't necessarily go looking for it, but you guys have done a tab book for Samsara, which was quite I think it's quite an interesting thing. So how was that to kind of put that all together and was it has that been an idea that you've kind of wanted to, to explore for a while? Um so the tab book wasn't actually something we ever aimed to do. Okay. There's a funny, there's a funnier side to this than there actually
1: being a tab book. The only reason tab exists for Samsara is because when we were touring so much and we were writing I couldn't remember the riffs that I was writing, so <laughs> Ben tabbed them out. Then, when we we used like a full scoring musical program to do
3: this, because Ben, like I don't know, Ben somehow knows how to use that. He went to like music school and stuff. He knows all that shit. Yeah.
1: But um, so he basically tabbed out our riffs before we went to the studio because we got back off like. Um, probably that us tour last year yeah we got we got off the us tour and then two weeks later we went into the studio so like we literally said to each other we were like there's no point going to band practice like if the drummer just listens to the pre-productions he can just you know get his drums sorted and then us guitarists we're just gonna have to read from the tab so we literally went into the studio and read from the tab
3: (laughs) that's Uh, amazing
1: that, and that was that was another thing that was another thing to add to the list of things where i was like fuck is this ever gonna work
3: because yeah, like yeah.
1: there were like points where like if ben didn't tab that album out we wouldn't have known any of the pre-productions we wrote because like we were right like we were writing relentlessly like we would you know it was almost every day on tour every day at home i think there was like 19 songs and we scrapped like nine of them and used bits from other songs and fucked with every song possible and there's no way we were ever going to remember any of that so Ben was like shall I tab it all on Sibelius and I was like that's, a, that's an amazing idea and um, when we were in the studio then like uh, I think it was like either Larissa or Jeff just made a joke going oh you can make a tab book now I was like, <laughs> oh yeah we can <laughs> so I was like <laughs> I was. we can make a tab book and he was like oh yeah I didn't think of that so like that wasn't intentional at all and like so many people have like commented or messaged me or Ben being like you guys must have worked so hard putting that tab book together I'm like we literally needed it (laughs) (laughs) we needed it We it's nothing to do with trying hard or anything It. we needed it there was no way there was like points we were in the studio and I was like Ben, can you uh, flip it over to that page? <laughs> I, like, I don't think I read that bit. And he was like, "No." I was like, "Nope." I'm missing ten seconds of music there. That doesn't matter. Nope, nope, nope. It record again. I've definitely missed that riff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was almost like we practiced the album after we recorded it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's fucked. <laughs> it's the only word to describe it. It was absolutely fucked. But somehow we managed to pull it off.
0: Well, yeah, exactly, and we've got the the wonderful album that is Samsara, so it must have worked in some shape or form.
1: Oh Christ! I hope we have more time for the next album. I tell
0: you. <laughs> well, as you've mentioned, obviously, kind of already starting the the writing process of of album three. But what? We'll, we'll stick short term. What are there any short term goals that you've kind of got for Venom Present at the moment, like? As I say, you you seem to be doing all these various tours and things at the moment. But have, have you put, got any personal goals that you want to see with Venom Prison in the short term? Um,
1: I think a lot of the stuff that is kind of happening lately, like the offers coming in for like next year, like a lot of them are like bucket list. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, achievements. If that's what you want to call it. Um, there's a few little things. Like I'm, I'm not even sure it is even supposed to be confirmed or announced but I'm sure it's not going to kill me if I say it but even like things like when we do US we're doing like um, an audio tree live session oh awesome and I love watching
3: those things yeah yeah
1: I love watching them and like we did the vagrant one um and that was also the studio uh, that we recorded Samsara at. So, like, when it was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing these live sessions at the moment, do you want to do it? And I was like, I love doing that type of stuff. Yeah, sure.
3: Yeah. And
4: then
1: an email about Audio Tree, and I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, let's do that. So that's, like, a that's a little short-term goal that I'm looking forward to when we get to America. Yeah. But
2: a lot of the stuff at the moment, like, especially next year, like, the, the stuff that's happening, it, it, it's very
1: big. And, you know, I think with stuff that will be happening next year i don't think i've got much time to sit there and be like that's cool i think as soon as that stuff's like ready and announced and out there it's it's kind of work time
3: and yeah game, yeah
0: you know. perfect but, well ash yeah. how i like to to end these little chats is to ask my guests what their favorite song is but with a bit of a twist so what is your favorite venom prison song that you like to play live and why
3: caught me off guard
0: <laughs> that's why I keep it to the end
1: I think Ducker, Ducker for me
0: yeah like
1: yeah um, because that song was the song that I almost punched my iMac to death when we were doing <laughs> like that song is the angriest I think I've ever felt writing a song and like when we play it live it's like this is a song that almost drove
3: me insane yeah yeah
1: it's kind of nice like because like when we do it live we also do like you know like the samples at the beginning and yeah the song and we do all that live um so it, it's kind of cool like when we play that song and i'm like bug me this song almost cost me two grand <laughs> it almost <laughs> cost me a new imac i'm glad this song can actually be played
0: live yeah <laughs> i think that's a good a reason as as any so ash thank you very much for for your time this evening really appreciate it um best of luck with everything in the future i know you'll get shooting off to the states but hope to see you back on our shores as soon as possible
1: thank you for having me as well
0: no worries take easy dude you too cheers mate. so there we have it folks a massive thank you again to Ash for having a chat with me and taking some time out of his busy day to do so Uh, as always you can keep up to date with everything that Venom Prison are doing on all the various social media platforms which as always will be linked in the um, description of this episode Um, that's pretty much it for another week got some shows coming up in the next week or so which i will be attending we'll tell you about on a future episode Um, hopefully have a few more chats lined up in the coming weeks as well keep this boy rolling um but for now thank you again for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i'll see you soon